0: We invite you to join us on our hunt for all things spooky.
1: We're here for the tricks and the treats. I'm Elise. And I'm Haley. And And this this is Easy Easy Bake Bake Coven. I know we don't usually do chit chat on spooky hour, but... I love it. I already told you this earlier, but I just like want to use this platform that I have to oh. share this amazing medical intervention that I learned today. <gasps> I'm really glad you're bringing that. this up. This is wild. Oh. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid, but wild. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> we have like a wasp infestation. They're entering my home. I don't know how they're entering my home. It's a problem for tomorrow, Haley, to figure Through out. Through a black hole. Shh. Truly. <laughs> a dark void. Um, so... Literally this morning, I thought, like, there was, like, seven of them. I was just killing oh my them over God. and over. And I don't like it. Usually, I call Matthew to kill them, because I don't... When I was a kid, I stepped on a wasp, and it stung, like, the bottom of my pinky toe. Wait, what's it, with wasps and your feet? I know. And it was, like, some of the worst pain I've ever experienced, truly. Oh no. mm-hmm. Just because it's such a tender, like, yeah. space, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was at the beach, so oh, it was, like, there's God. nothing I could do. Anyway. You're
0: like covered in sand and your yeah, so foot I, really hurts and, like mm. I really don't like them. I really don't like them. Um, also, what are the chances that you'd get stung by a wasp on the foot at the beach and not a
1: jellyfish on the foot? Right, like
0: that's way more likely,
1: right? It was so <laughs> weird. I was probably like ten, and I just like it was just laying on the ground with its butt in the air, and I didn't know, and I stepped right on it, and it Asshole. was like stuck in my foot. My friend's dad had to oh pull my it god, it gives me the heat Ugh. just thinking about it. So today I'm like they're they're all like showing up in my house and i'm killing them and i'm like telling russell to go to his room because i'm like you're gonna get stung and 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 until a kid gets stung the first time you don't know they might have an anaphylactic allergy so i'm like "Mm, i don't want to find that out today Mm -mm. then i'm just walking in the kitchen all of a sudden i feel something and i look down and there's a fucking wasp on my foot (laughs) stung me through my fuzzy socks (laughs) i was like good thing you you little fuckers keep my feet warm because these socks are not good for protection (laughs) So I'm, I was on a meeting at the time. I was like talking oh to my, my supervisor. God. And she's a gem. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I just got stung by a wasp. Like, ow. I think this is the first time in probably 20 years that I've been stung right. by a wasp. And it's in the foot again. And it's in the foot. And it hurt. And she was like, oh, just use the Tums. I was like, I'm this sorry, what? She goes, just lick the, she goes, you don't know the Tums trick? I was like, no, I don't know the Tums no. trick. She's <laughs> like, just lick that? the bottom of a Tums and stick it to the, like sting and then put a band-aid or something over top to hold it on and it will like draw the venom out or draw the whatever out and i was like i I was i looked at her i said are you hosing me right now (laughs) she goes
0: i'm not
1: i'm not hosing you Haley. this is legit (laughs) i was like are you sure she's like yeah so then i did it and it worked how quickly like immediately that's bizarre and so then um, the band-aid was just like a little too small the one that I chose so yeah. I just duct taped it to my foot <laughs> so I was hey. just walking around the house with the Tums duct taped to my foot and I was like if she's fucking with me I look so fucking stupid right now <laughs> Like it literally it stopped hurting it never hurt again it's that's fine that's crazy I wonder if it works for bee stings too or like ant yeah. bites yeah, or yeah or spider I think bites. so she said anything where it like where it stings you and you can suck the stuff back out it will just soak it up absorb it and I was like I looked at her i said i knew you were a witch i knew i liked you <laughs> welcome to the coven exactly <laughs> supervisor but i haven't told any of my coworkers <laughs> about our podcast because i don't want them to know yeah. how much to say fuck <laughs> i understand uh, they're like oh Haley, she's so cute she grows flowers yeah. she has a cool old truck i'm like yep that's the end of my hobbies <laughs> i don't do anything else Um,
0: before we uh, signed on the house, um, Mm -hmm. the seller's brother was helping us out with some stuff and he said Mm -hmm. his wife is into like witchy things. And and so I was like, oh, you should listen. Like I do a podcast about witchy, spooky things. Mm -hmm. I love spooky things. Mm -hmm. And so then his wife wanted to listen to it. So I sent it and then we were i mean i just have anxiety especially about this house and so we hadn't heard yeah. something for a couple of days and i was like what if he told the sellers how much i say fuck and and they don't
1: want to sell to us anymore <laughs> like, we will not have these heathens in my home yeah. ben was like i'm sure that's not I'm happening sure that didn't happen <laughs> they trying to get their money so, they will have yeah. a witch in their house ain't their house anymore <laughs> oh speaking of spooky things
0: so you know my dad's cabin is right next door and um we've been in and out of there so many times the handyman's been in and out of there so many times and the other night ben went to get something and he closed Mm. the door and right after he closed the door a huge vase fell and smashed on the ground and because they left stuff over there you know Uh and um ben came over and he was like your dad's house might be haunted because we've all been in and out of there so many times yeah (laughs)
1: crazy and then the bed made itself that's right (laughs) lucky rick his ghost followed him (laughs) yeah it's getting the place ready for him so let fuck some shit up although his ghost is one that like doesn't cause disarray it causes organization exactly
0: um but i do have some spooky news i know again we don't do that in spooky hour but it's
1: like in palmer Whatever the fuck we want (gasps) right
0: whatever we want here like i got a tweet about it today and i was like excuse me what excuse you palmer uh, I'm going to text you this because you need to see the picture. Um there was a unique atmospheric sight that streaked across the sky over Palmer. Oh And it looks my God. terrifying. What the fuck is that? <laughs> That's what I, said. I was it's like fucking excuse me, what the fuck is this? I this know. This is some like I know. Marvel shit. I know it's got like six what? fingers uh, on it okay so for people listening it there's like the beautiful mountains and then over it is like this big smoky looking plume and then if you zoom in it's got like six fingers I don't even know it how to describe like it it looks like demogorgon
1: from fucking totally. Stranger Things you know how it like opens totally. up like that
0: yes yeah. And so all these people around town, I mean, I wasn't out looking at the mountain at that time, but apparently people in like the high school parking lot saw it and people sent in a bunch of pictures and law enforcement and a meteorologist said, and I think we're going to roll our eyes at this, that Mm. it was likely a condensation trail from an airplane that was illuminated by the rising sun
1: what? Why is it shaped like that? Exactly.
0: They reached out to Alaska state troopers just in case and they sent a rescue team on a helicopter to like fly around the mountain to see if yeah. there was anything suspicious or a crashed aircraft and mm-hmm. there was nothing. Apparently there was a commercial jet that had been flying in the area around the time the photos were taken and the plane was Did it fly normal. straight down into
1: the ground?
0: <laughs> I know. So troopers believe the photos and videos showed a con trail from the c- commercial jet combined with the rising sun which together caused the unique atmospheric sight. like but Mm. why does it have those fingers apparently there was a lot of moisture in the atmosphere on thursday morning which can lead to trails like that developing but i think it is really terrifying looking and maybe there's a demogorgon living in the mountains so
1: creepy i love
0: it yeah Super spooky. You know, like chemtrails conspiracy theories. Oh, do I? My
1: mom doesn't know what that is. So sometimes when we see a jet line, I'll be like, look, Russ Chemtrails. And now like one time I noticed my mom was like, Oh Russ, look, chemtrails. (laughs) Because she just like thought that's like what it's called. (laughs) Uh, Uh, I didn't correct her. I was like,
0: fuck yeah, Lori. (laughs) I'm gonna um out myself here. There's a line in the office where Uh there's this amazing episode called dinner party where it's just this Mm -hmm. horrible hot mess of a dinner party and um michael is drinking wine and Mm -hmm. he you know michael's a total fucking moron Mm -hmm. and he says oh this has an oaky afterbirth (laughs) and i'm not like i wasn't like a huge wine drinker when i first watched the show and i just like i one day said that to my boyfriend i was dating at
1: the time i I was like what did you say (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: and you're like I I was- I'm just doing an
0: office joke huh? <laughs> and that day was the day I was just as dumb as Michael's <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so let's get into some spook what are we covering tonight on spooky hour Haley tonight it was your is your great idea hour,
1: and we are covering unsolved mysteries yes i would there's, also like to like, say that
0: that was like my favorite show when i
1: was a kid i love really? Unsolved mysteries yes i never watched it until i was an adult and like the most recent iteration came out oh. on netflix
0: oh you haven't seen the og version nope oh my god where like the narrator what comes have out i like seen smoke i know but you need <gasps> really? to see it oh yeah it's like the most 80s ish looking like he's got mm-hmm. this great hair and he's just like we haven't seen them and no reports have been made but if you've heard anything call us (laughs) (laughs)
1: that
0: was like the worst version of him (laughs) so I was very excited when you suggested this topic
1: yeah there's been so many things that I've come across and I've been like oh this is like this would be so good for the podcast but then I'm like "Mm, it's not not there's not enough. enough there you know yeah
0: I actually had the opposite problem today when I was looking things
1: up. <laughs> I was times. like, oh, I want to cover this. Oh, and then I, then I was like, oh, this, this is an hour. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Like, there I was could one
0: condense it, but it's too good. There was
1: one that was like literally in my head when I thought about the idea for this like, uh-huh. episode. And then I went to cover it today as like it was like one of the first ones where i was like oh yeah. no i definitely want to talk about that and i was like oh this is a lot longer than i remembered i actually could do a whole yeah. episode about this
0: <laughs> totally yep i made some notes of like remember to cover it some things oh, i would never too. Even heard of before that i was totally. like oh yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, it is a gem too it really
0: is also i feel like we should say i know that we just did a spooky hour like two episodes ago but uh-huh. you know what sometimes
1: life calls for another spooky hour. Yes. So when this episode comes out, Elise will be Driving again. from Florida to Alaska, and I will be literally at Disneyland. So oh,
0: I'm so jealous. I am not to be at Disneyland. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm jealous that you get to have quality time with your father. I'm not jealous that you have to drive like 75,000 miles. You
0: get like quality time with your father in the most oh, magical place on
1: earth. So. That's true. <laughs> I also get quality time with my father. Oh, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Sorry. No jealousy. <laughs> it's
1: just I'm tech. actually not jealous <laughs> of you anymore.
0: <laughs> then you'll see some cool shit, right? But like half of the shit I've already have seen.
1: we <laughs> have mm, done this drive before.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Mm. And the last like three days are the same drive Ben and I just did. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. Wah, wah. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, well.
1: I'll
0: just have to listen to our episode while driving and yes. relive these. And then
1: listen to it about 40 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I'll be good to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. How about you go first? I went <laughs> okay. first last time. Did you? I don't even remember. Okay. This story is the story of the Yuba County Five. Have you heard of it before? Oh, no. Okay. I'd never heard of it either. I don't know how. Okay, so the Yuba County Five were all young men from Yuba City, California, who all had mild intellectual disabilities or psychiatric condition. They were all good friends, and they all lived with their parents because of their mental conditions, whether it was like a developmental disability or they had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Gary... Matthias m-a-t-h-i-a-s sounds good to me Gary Matthias was 25 Bill Sterling was 29 Jack Hewitt was 24 Ted Wyher was 32 and Jack Madruga was 30 and they all loved sports that was like the thing that brought them together they Mm -hmm. loved basketball and they played for a team for folks who and in this at this point they called it mentally handicapped it was a team for people who were mentally handicapped called the gateway gators and they were about to participate isn't that cute Mm -hmm. in a week-long tournament that was sponsored by the special olympics and the winners of the tournament would win a trip to la for a week so they were like stoked that was about to happen some of them had even like laid out their uniforms on their beds for the next day like because they were so excited Oh no! they were like make sure i wake up in time mom and dad this is really important to them So the night before this tournament was supposed to start, the night of February 24th, 1978, they all went to a college basketball game at California State University Chico. After the Davis team won the game, they got back into Madruga's car and they drove short distance from Chico State Campus to a market in downtown Chico and they bought snacks and sodas and cartons of milk for the um, drive home. And the clerk remembered exactly when she check them out it was like almost 10 o'clock because she was pissed that this big group of people came in like right Mm. as she was closing because closing time was 10 yeah (laughs) right so Mm -hmm. she was like oh yeah I remember those guys they came in like right before I closed and I was pissed about it that was the last time that any of them were seen alive (gasps) yeah so at their houses some of their parents had stayed up late to make sure that they came home and when morning came and they hadn't returned the police were called i'm piecing together a couple different articles here because one of them just like didn't mention this so um that same evening this guy named joe shones or shones was 55 years old and he was having car trouble and he had a mild heart attack Oh, no. They, I guess they were like, I don't, where they lived, they had to drive through like the mountain pass, I think, to get home. So it was like snowy because it was still February. And so this guy, Joe, his car has got, had gotten stuck in the snow and he was started trying to push it out of the snow by himself. And that's why he had a heart attack. Oh, gosh. So he tried to flag people down for help and he thought he saw a group walk by, but he also was like, I was kind of out of it. So I might've been hallucinating, but... Um, So he, like, sat in his car and just, like, rested for a while until he felt better. And then he decided to walk. He felt well enough to walk to get help because his car was stuck or broken down. Along the way, he passed a 1969 Mercury Montego, which... Is what the the Yuba County Five were driving in. Oh my god! And later, when the story broke on the news that these guys were missing, he came forward and um and told the police, "Oh, I know where that car is. I I walked past that car when I was getting help." Basically, they found the um. They found the guy's car, the guy, They one found of the, guy's the cars. car. Yeah, like they found the car, the guy, the Mercury Montego, the yeah. guy who said like, yeah, this is it, whatever. They found it and they had no idea where the guys were. There was like no sign of them.
0: Oh my God.
1: Right. On June 4th when most of the higher elevation snow in that pass had melted, a group of motorcyclists had gone, I guess there was like a trailer that was maintained by the forest Service at a campsite. You know how they do that? They do that in Alaska, right? They have like hunting trailers or whatever. So So these guys on motorcycles went to a trailer that was maintained by the forest service and the campsite was about 20 miles from where the Mercury Montego had been found. And the front window of the trailer had been broken when they opened the door. They were overcome by the odor of what turned out to be a <gasps> decaying body inside, which was oh, no. later identified as why her is one of the guy's bodies. So searchers returned to that area. They followed the road between the trailer and the side of the, um, the, the guy's car that they had left behind. And the next day they found remains later identified as Madruga and Sterling on opposite sides of the road, 11 miles from where the car had been. Madruga's body had been partially consumed by scavenging animals. Aww. Only bones remained of Sterling, scattered over a small area. And I don't know how, but they said autopsies showed they both died of hypothermia. Huh. If There's only bones. I'm not really sure. Right. How, like, how do you determine but, that? I don't know. That's what it says. Deputies speculated that one may have succumbed for, to the desire for sleep that marks the condition's final stages. You know, you get really oh, tired yeah. right before you die of hypothermia. And the other refused to leave his side, maybe. So then he had the same you know he eventually also succumbed to it two days later part of one of the other search parties jack hewitt's father found his son's backbone under a manzanita bush two miles northeast of the trailer his shoes and his jeans nearby helped identify the body next day a deputy sheriff found a skull downhill from the bush 300 feet away confirmed by dental records to have been hewitt's his death was also attributed to hypothermia Crazy. In an area to the northwest of the trailer, roughly a quarter mile from it, searchers found three Forest Service blankets and a rusted flashlight by the road. But it couldn't be determined how long those items had been there. Since Matthias, M- Matthias, do you think it's Matthias or Matthias?
0: Maybe Matthias. Matthias. But there's a There's an H, so that's weird.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say Matthias because okay. Matthias just sounds weird. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Since he had presumably not taken his medication, he was the one, like, they didn't find any part of his body. He was the only person that didn't find any remains. So they distributed photos of him to mental institutions all over, but no trace of him has ever been found. What? So evidence in the trailer was why her's body on a bed with eight sheets wrapped around it, including his head. The oh autopsy showed that he died of a combination of starvation and hypothermia. He had lost nearly half of his 200 pounds. The growth of his beard suggested he had lived as long as 13 weeks from when he had last shaved. His feet were badly frostbitten, almost gangrenous. And on a table next to the beds were some of his personal effects, including his wallet with cash, a nickel ring with Ted engraved on it, a gold necklace he also wore. And then also on the table was a gold watch without its crystal, which his family said was not his, and a partially melted candle. He was wearing a velour shirt and lightweight pants, but his shoes could not be found. Most puzzling to the investigators was how, why, her had come to his fate. No fire had been set in the trailer's fireplace, despite an ample supply of matches and paperback novels to use as kindling. Heavy forestry clothing, which could have kept the men warm, also remained where it had been stored." A dozen sea ration cans from a storage shed outside had been opened and their contents consumed, but a locker in the same shed that held an even greater assortment of dehydrated foods, enough to keep all five men fed for a year if that had been necessary, had not even been open. What? Similarly, another shed nearby held a butane tank with a valve that, had it been opened, would have fed the trailer's heating system. What? So they had food and heat available to them that they did not use.
0: Okay, so wait, I have a quick question. So uh-huh. um you said the mental capacity of these folks was I, I think mean, it
1: fluctuated. So his family members said that he had a lack of common sense basically okay. from his mental disability and that sometimes he asked like why he needed to stop at a stop sign and like one night there was a house fire in their house oh. and they had to come and drag him out of bed because he was like, Well, I'm gonna like if I don't get enough sleep I'm gonna miss work tomorrow. And they were like, oh my You're, God. The, the house is on fire. Right. You need to get out. Yeah. Um, it also seemed that Wyher had not been alone in the trailer and that Matthias had po- and possibly Hewitt had been in there with him. Matthias's tennis sneakers were in the trailer and the sea rations had been opened with a P-38 can opener with which only Matthias or Madruga would have been familiar from the military service. Matthias, his feet perhaps also swollen from frostbite, could have decided to put on Wyher's shoes instead if he had ventured outside. The sheets all over Wyher's body also suggested that one of the others had been there with him as his gangrenous feet would have been in too much pain for him to pull them all over his body by himself. Wow. Like, it's just nonsensical. It's like the, the American version of the love Pass, you know? Yes, yeah, truly. So then I guess there's like kind of new information in 2020 that um, someone did a podcast about it. Yeah. I'm like, we couldn't even like do an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> and someone did a whole podcast <laughs> about it? it. But they dug a lot deeper than I probably would. They requested a full digitized um, copy of the case notes from the police, and as they're going through it, they found an internalized memo from the sheriff from October 8th, 2020 that says, Gary Matias is believed to be a victim of foul play. This case (gasps) remains open as a missing person slash homicide case. It is in the best interest of all involved that this letter not be forwarded to the Matias family. What? Which is just like, what? 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 So, are there any theories of what they think happened? No, like, not that I could find. Wow. People have no idea. The guys were maybe driving through the pass, had car trouble or something like that, and then, but, like, hiked 20 miles to a shelter. They could have just kept walking down the road and then didn't use all of the resources in the shelter and then all got split up.
0: Aliens. Aliens. Right. right. That's the only logical explanation.
1: I know that they had developmental disabilities and psychiatric conditions, but like they were sort of functioning enough to go by well, right. themselves. Right. That's what I was like. They were to driving. another town to drive. So, right. Exactly. Like at least one of them had the had a driver's license. Right. Was safe to be driving. So it's like, what? Isn't that weird? That's bizarre. Just like not I've never heard of that
0: before. I know. We find you know it's so funny when we first started this podcast, my dad was like, Um, you know, one of the hardest things is gonna be finding enough content to keep reporting on. I was like, Oh no. No, my friend <laughs> No There is so much weird shit so in this much. world we can't explain. Like
1: mm-hmm. that is bizarre. Yeah. Wow. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah. Now I'm I gonna learn more about it. I mean it's horrible. Cool yeah, but like cool as in like, oh, let's figure that out. This is fascinating.
0: Wow, that's really fascinating. Way to mm-hmm. good one to start off on. <sighs> Just had to start strong, get the ball rolling. Okay, so this one, I mean, most I would say, let's see. I think almost all of these I'd never heard of before.
1: Really? Yeah. Also, almost all of mine are missing or murdered people. That's what most of them are. I was trying to find are. other I found one, other one, but I couldn't really find any that weren't people.
0: I have a couple that are weird, okay, not cool. murdered. Yeah. Cool. Um, also, it's funny when I was researching stuff, I was thinking, you know, I know that this is like a easy episode for us, but it's also like we're doing the the scrolling with our thumbs so that you don't have to. <laughs> like, we're mm-hmm. finding all
1: the interesting things. We're <laughs> curating it, and yeah. I'm reading a lot of stuff that's not that fascinating. Right, that I'm like, ah, so we can it's pick fine. through and give you the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So this takes place in Japan. Ooh. Um, there was a man by the name of Sumio Suenaga, who lived in a house in the town of Kasugai, and he lived there with his younger sister and brother. They were all in their 60s, so they're older. Oh, wow. And according to the younger Suenaga siblings, their older brother Sumio, who was 66, went missing in 2015. Mm. They said they assumed he'd come back, and so they waited until 2016, a year later, to report him missing. That's suspicious. Indeed. And that's the only, only the first suspicious thing mm. that happens. So they never find him. He never returns. And five years later, they decide, you know what? We should finally use Sumio's room. Like, we've been keeping it vacant, and we might as well start living in
1: it, you know? Weird. I don't know that I would want to, but. Yeah. You know? hmm
0: Unless you didn't have an attachment to them for some reason, like you
1: murdered him. Mm
0: -hmm. So as you can imagine, this bedroom needs a lot of tidying up because he's been gone for five years. And she didn't have to clean for too long before she discovered an unclothed, skeletonized body.
1: (gasps) (laughs) Where?
0: In the room she says quote, I found something that I think are human bones she informed the police and when they arrived they confirmed they were indeed human what? and while they were initially not able to determine the individual's age or sex they think there's a high probability that the body is her brother Sumio's and Sumio the was the legal owner of the house that they all lived in it's not very big it's small and so it's startling to imagine that these siblings would not have smelled a dying body and that they wouldn't have looked in his room for him when he
1: went missing Mm -hmm. was it like somewhere weird um his body let's see like all the all the articles say
0: the same thing let's see
1: They're not as sensational as us. So I could see in Japanese media them not being like, their bones were scattered on the bed with flesh still clinging to them. Whereas in America, they'd be like, do you want to see some pictures of the bones? We'll put it on daytime television. Kids can see
0: right well the other thing that's weird is that they said that you know again this is a small house and they never saw him like wouldn't you have seen him they didn't leave smell and smelled
1: it right like how see flies coming out underneath his door it's
0: very suspicious and there's no um like case or anything there's no charges or conspiracies or i mean there's obviously conspiracies they weren't, yeah, i think they weren't i could think of one or two but yeah there's no charges <laughs> so Wild. that's very strange and i read um a few things about uh bodies just showing up in weird places we're like how did you end up there um weird yeah actually I have another one that I could just throw in right here because that one was so short um this is right from reddit it's from user nina nina 1234 <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah, nina yeah but there's actually a real story it's a real new uh-huh. story but I'm just gonna read what she wrote because she did a really good job in 2006, 23-year-old Robert Hornbeck, a soldier at Fort Benning, went to Savannah to visit family. He went out bar hopping with a friend. His dad came to pick him up at 3 a.m. His dad called, and Robert answered, saying, Dad, I'm on the stairs. Then the call disconnected. He was missing for the next 10 days. and the nearby DeSoto Hilton Hotel, guests started complaining about a terrible smell whenever the air conditioning mm. came on. Because, yeah, you normally smell decomposing bodies, right? hmm A worker went down to check the problem and found Hornbeck's body inside the air conditioning unit. He wasn't staying at the hotel. Somehow, he got inside the hotel through an employee entrance door that was supposedly locked, but there was no sign of forced entry. He would have crossed a dark, empty ballroom and gone through a maintenance door. He climbed up 13 steps so steep they were like a ladder. From there, he went down a dark hallway next to the AC unit. He'd have seen three panels that opened into a unit, a large one and two smaller ones. The police actually checked inside the large one, figuring no one could have gone in the smaller ones. When they later checked again, they found Hornbeck had climbed through the middle door, which was only 14 inches wide. Cold air would have immediately blasted him when he opened it. He crawled down through the duct and somehow got past rotating fan blades to crawl even further inside the unit. He was eventually hit by another fan blade and died inside the unit. The police found no signs of foul play, and it was ruled an accident. So
1: crazy! Like, what? I, had, I had this one on my list too. I read about you it didn't? years ago. Yeah, and I was like, but
0: how? How? I don't know. I don't know how. Like uh, to how me, there it seems like foul, foul, foul play. play. Yeah, exactly. How is there not foul how play? Did he
1: fit in there? And why how did he? Yeah, like why would he go in there? Especially after or just texting his
0: dad, right? you know it makes no sense doesn't make any sense at all so yeah, it's one of those, those are my two of people dying inside places they're
1: not supposed to people, die people yeah dead bodies in places they're not supposed to be exactly and how did they get there okay this is my one non-dead body one oh good go or non like missing human This is the story of the Montreal UFO, which I'd never heard of. Have you? Oh, no. Mm -mm. I'm like, I'm a bad Canadian. You know, (laughs) French Canada is just a little different from the rest of Canada. A bad Canadian
0: and or a bad ufologist. Truly. (laughs) Come on, be better. (laughs)
1: I'm letting down all of my most important parts of myself. (laughs) Um, This is or it's called the Montreal UFO or the UFO of Place Bonaventure. it's it's apparently often regarded as one of the most well-known and best documented canadian ufo cases it just keeps getting worse for you (laughs) yeah who the fuck knew (laughs) um but then this person also said they couldn't find a ton of information on it in English because it happened in in French Canada. Mm -hmm. So that made me feel a little bit better. You're a little off the hook. A little bit better. So around 7 p.m. on November 7th, 1990, unusual lights appeared in the sky above Montreal, above the Bonaventure Hotel. There were eight yellow lights arranged in a circular pattern with white beams of light shining outwards. The hotel features an outdoor swimming pool on its rooftop and guests and employees present at the pool at the time were the first to notice. Although most of the reported sightings were made by people present at the hotel, many people in the streets around the hotel and in the surrounding area independently reported similar accounts. This to me is always when you know it's like legit when lots of different people see the same thing, not together, you know, Mm -hmm. like when they're like, there was 50 reports of UFO. I'm like, that means there was a UFO. Right? I'm not saying it was an alien, but there was something, you know. There was mm-hmm. some unidentified flying object. So the ho- this is kind of funny to me. The hotel employees alerted the local press and the police. I don't know that I would call the press necessarily.
0: Well, I guess it's kind of similar to call like the uploading news. it onto social media. This is 1990. Right. So, they didn't yeah. have the Twitters. I would Instagram. I would <laughs> yeah. go live. So <laughs> and then they would use your Instagram live for the news. So mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the press arrived first before the police Classic. classic. Uh, hey. Ah. <laughs> Apparently perplexed by the situation, the police officer called for backup. So then the RCMP came, and because I guess UFOs fall into R- RCMP jurisdiction because it's federal, I don't know. So the RCMP dispatched an investigator to the scene to assess the situation and to gather testimonies. A journalist took pictures with thirty-five millimeter film camera. Oh, the, I guess it's hard because it was dark. So the pictures are not super detailed, but in the pictures, you can easily see three bright lights and some white beams around them. Although if you look more carefully, you can distinguish three to four additional lights. And the journalist said that at the time he took the pictures, he could see the clouds pass underneath the UFO and block some of the lights, which explains why they don't all appear in the picture. Wow. Traffic controllers of the two nearest airports were contacted. In both cases, their radar couldn't detect anything. And additionally, the St. Hubert military base was contacted, but their radar couldn't see anything either. Because the thing appeared non-threatening and there was a lack of radar detection, the Canadian military decided not to get involved and just to let the RCMP handle it. And they tried to send a helicopter to look at the UFO from the sky. Like, it was there for that long that they were wow. like, let's send a helicopter up. But they couldn't get authorization. I guess there was something else going on and the helicopters were on standby because there was, like, some other crisis happening. Hmm. So at this at some point during this whole ordeal a Cessna passed over the hotel right <sighs> under the UFO and the people who saw the plane said that it appeared to be flying much lower and to be incredibly small relative to the UFO but then the person who wrote this also pointed out that sizes and distances are Relative. Um, like, yeah, at that scale, it's just yeah. like, it's all in the sky. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, in the dark night sky, it's kind of hard yeah. to say. The UFO was last seen from the hotel at around ten ten p.m., not because it flew away, but because of an increasingly dense cloud cover, which completely obscured <gasps> Bummer. it. Bummer. Mm-hmm. An hour later, some people said they saw something similar near Montreal Olympic Stadium, which is like six, six and a half kilometers from the Bonaventure Hotel. But people debate if that sighting is related or not, because I guess the descriptions are not necessarily consistent hmm. but they saw something yeah so apparently the rcmp confirmed the legitimacy of the story but they remained silent when people <gasps> ask them what was in the sky they said we don't oh, we're not shit. commenting on it isn't that weird but they said it was there so there's a few theories one is that it was the northern lights oh, but there's a lot on. of reasons that that doesn't no. yeah there's no um like that's low for the northern lights, right? There was no unusual solar activity recorded that night, so it's pretty is unlikely for the exactly. northern
0: lights. Also, what an easy scapegoat,
1: right? And northern lights appear much, much, much higher in the altitude. And also, know. this
0: isn't like fourteen hundreds. People know what the northern yeah, lights are exactly, like. Exactly, exactly.
1: They said when the UFO was observed, there was a thick and dense cloud overcast at around one point five kilometers of altitude, which would have completely blocked any view of the northern lights. So it was mm-hmm. lower than the northern lights would have been some people said it was spotlights shining on clouds so I guess there was a tower under construction and strong spotlights were lighting it and so in the days following the incident a lot of people were like it's just a reflection of those spotlights or those spotlights were hitting the clouds but what's crazy is the police officers that were present at the scene that night went to the construction site and had them turn off all the spotlights (gasps) to see if that's what was causing it so we know it wasn't that I kind of love that the police were like Mm -hmm. fuck yeah like they like believed it and like were investigating Amazing. Uh Uh-huh. Some people said that there could have been other spotlights from somewhere else downtown reflected in the clouds, but it just seems unlikely. There's a lot of reasons that it seems unlikely. Another more recent explanation involves light pillars. Have you heard of this before? No. It's some like meteorological phenomena where light pillars, they're kind of like rainbows. And it's when there's um light reflects on microscopic ice crystals in suspension in the air. So it's like the, it's oh. kind of like northern lights, but like it just, there's just like yeah. pillars of light in the sky, basically. Huh. The weather conditions that night were not right for light pillars to have formed. Well, yeah, uh, I feel
0: like with clouds in the sky, it would be like. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah. And so something sense. about like the temperature and altitude and this and then that, they were like, no, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. And also, they said usually that like light pillars are really, really big. They're high up in the altitude. So you would see it over like a whole town. It wouldn't be like lights oh, over weird. one place. Yeah, so. Who knows what it was? I'm going to find the photo right now so we can look at it. Super weird. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah, send me the picture. Oh, hell yeah.
0: Yeah? Believable? It's spooky and I love it. Send it. Send it. Oh. Those do not look like light pillars. That looks like a UFO. Right?
1: Wow. And so low. Yeah, that's weird super creepy I feel like
0: if I like use my imagination it looks like there's kind of like a sphere shape on the outside of them like Mm -hmm. do you see what I'm talking about totally like they're in the center of like a sphere that's cut off yep which makes sense for UFOs at least as Hollywood has shown me
1: I truly love it
0: so it's funny that you should mention mystery (gasps) lights because
1: I have some mystery lights
0: of my own
1: (laughs) where are they (gasps) Arizona Ooh, I've heard about this before, but I've never dug into it. This is another one where there was like dozens and dozens of reports, right? Yeah, very yes. many. Okay, tell me everything
0: about this. So this was on March thirteenth, nineteen ninety-seven, mm-hmm. and a string of five lights in a V formation appeared in the sky above Phoenix, Arizona.
1: I literally just got goosebumps. This is my so dream. Good. This is all
0: I want to see in my life. The National UFO Reporting Center reported that the first call about the lights came in around 8:16 p.m. from a retired police officer, so you know he's not So you, you know, know it's legit people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that report was about 2 hours north of Phoenix. After that, the National UFO Reporting Center began to receive a slew of calls south of Paulden, Arizona, suggesting that the lights were moving in a southeastern direction. Oh, so cool. Apparently, there were over 700 witnesses. <gasps> Isn't that nuts. Yep. Including pilots, police officers, and military officials who were all calling the UFO reporting center. Wow. Some described the lights as orbs, others said triangles, but a large number of witnesses described the lights as part of a singular massive craft that made no noise. Oh my god. Your dream. Literally. Around 10 p.m., a second set of as many as nine lights appeared in the sky. A laser printer technician, Dana Valentin, claimed to have witnessed the craft from his yard in Phoenix. He said, we could see the outline of the mass behind the lights, but you couldn't actually see the mass. It was more like a gray distortion of the night sky, wavy. I don't know exactly what it was, but I know it's not a technology the public has heard before.
1: Oh, hell yeah
0: air traffic controllers could not see anything on the radar despite seeing them in the sky with their own eyes. Oh, Francis Barwood, the 1997 Phoenix City Councilwoman who launched an investigation into the event, said that of the over 700 witnesses she interviewed, the government never interviewed even one.
1: <gasps> Cuz they, they knew they what the fuck knew. it was. Yes. <laughs>
0: mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So pretty crazy
1: are there any pictures of it like did anyone get photos let's see 97 we had cam we had a camcorder in 97 that's right oh shit i'm gonna send you this picture <gasps> i can't wait to see it i mean if i saw this i would be
0: like what there's a ton of them isn't
1: that bizarre oh my god oh that is so cool it had to be and they're like in formation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what else could it be Or like the U.S. military was testing out technology. Equally as terrifying. (laughs) Or Russians, which is the most terrifying option. The most. I would rather that it's aliens than Russians. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Feel safer in our night. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because at least there's a chance that aliens come in peace.
0: Yeah, right. We know the Russians don't. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Isn't that nuts? So cool. I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, have you heard this story of Lizanne Froon and Chris Kremers who went missing in Panama? No. Oh my gosh, this one's real creepy. So on March 14th, 2014, students Lizanne Froon and Chris Kremers traveled from the Netherlands to Panama where they were going to um, assist local communities and they were going to volunteer with kids and learn Spanish and just kind of have a vacation wow. too. Mm-hmm. So somehow there was a miscommunication that led to them arriving in Bouquet. B-O-Q-U-E-T.
0: B-O-Q-U-E-T. Bouquet. E-T-E. Oh, yeah. Bouquet. Yeah.
1: Sure. Too early for their program. And in her um, diary entry, Kremer said that it was they were rude and not at all friendly. Then she said tomorrow they will try and get a hold of the head teacher. This was a real disappointment. And that was April 1st. So, I don't know. They I guess they arrived, like, quite early. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they traveled around for a bit. Anyway, so that was April 1st, the day of this fateful hike that they went on that they oh did not no. return from. So, they wanted to try and see as much as they could of the surrounding area. So, they hired a guide to show them around on April 2nd of 2014. But the day before their guided tour, they decided to explore this area surrounding an active volcano the baru volcano oh, no. towards the continental divide so according to some kind of expert who knows the area they said that the three mile stretch that they were going on is relatively easy to explore and most missing tourists return without assistance or come across a search party looking for okay. them three miles like not yeah bad. not a big deal They're going for a little hike so they set out into the forest along the pianista trail around 11 a.m. on april 1st with only a backpack between them and there was a dog like a town dog like a feral dog called blue who was following them along the trail and it was the last time that anyone saw them alive oh my god blue too blue blue returned so i mean other than the (laughs) yes but (laughs) we don't need everyone to die So other than the dog, the young women went on their hike alone and they asked for directions from a local innkeeper who advised them to take a taxi back to town. So I guess maybe you like, maybe it's a one-way and then you take a cab back. People began to suspect something happened when Blue returned from the hike unaccompanied. Blue just wanders back into town and they're like, what's going on? So when neither of them turned back up, they decided to wait until the next day to contact authorities. Meanwhile, April 2nd, the pair missed their appointment with their hired tour guide and the family, both of their families became concerned when they didn't get a usual check-in call. So on April 3rd of 2014, authorities began an aerial search of the forest and an on foot search of Boquette. In the days following the students' disappearances, authorities conducted foot and aerial searches. By April 6th, the parents of both women grew frantic and flew to Panama with detectives from the Netherlands. And once they were there, they began this massive search. So there was a time when people suspected that they actually didn't get lost in the mountain but they were victims of some other crime instead like mm-hmm. in town like they never made it up to the mountain but this later proved false. The search efforts moved into forests where the young women where the young women traversed and they were using on- foot search teams and dog units. So they investigated for 10 days and then scaled down their search on April 14th but the search continued for 10 more weeks after that. A woman from one of the local tribes, Ngabe, N N G A B E. Hmm. I'm just gonna guess it's Ngabe. She turned in a blue backpack that she said that she found along the bank of a nearby river. (sighs) The backpack contained sunglasses, a camera, two cell phones, money, two bras, Froon's passport, and a water bottle.
0: I would turn two bras on a hike.
1: Or like they got really hot and sweaty, so they took their bras off and put them in the backpack. It's kind of strange though. Yeah. I've never done that in my life. No, me neither. Also, I'd wear a sports bra on a hike. Right, I would just just wear a sports bra. So after finding their phones, the authorities had a lead. Once they examined the phones, they unraveled a confusing and grim timelines. The phones remained active for nearly 10 days after they went (gasps) missing. So during this time, they both repeatedly called for help. They called 112, which is the emergency number for the Netherlands, as well as 911, um, which is the number they use in Panama. Right. They made numerous emergency calls a few hours into their hike. Logs show that they managed to connect connect only once due to the poor reception in the forest, and the connected call was stable for about two seconds. So it wow. connected once for two seconds. After the attempted calls, the phone stayed on for some time. Kremer's phone showed that someone entered a wrong pin several times. And accordingly, her phone was powered on one last time on April 11th, 2014. Both phones went dead afterwards. So they went missing on the 1st, and her phone was active until the 11th. Given the timeline, authorities assumed at least one of the women was alive at the time, which was five days into their big search. Right. Which is like, it just doesn't add up, you know? So the girl's camera that they found in the backpack showed even more evidence of what might might have happened. There were more than 100 pictures, and you can see them online. Um, The first few looked normal, like just normal tourist photos. They're smiling, they're walking. And then the tone of the pictures began to change. One showed Kremers with what looked like concern on her face, dated around the time of the emergency calls. After that, the photos were from April 8th and likely snapped between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. They were seemingly random objects like a stick with plastic sticking to it, as well as scenes of foliage, canyons, and a bridge.
0: Do you think it was them, like, trying to remember their way? Uh
1: Uh-huh. So, several people... There were several theories that people proposed um, that the, the arbitrary photos of just random stuff looked focused as if they... Like intentionally took the pictures, so they thought maybe they were trying to serve them as like yeah. trail markers of where they were going, um, or because of the dark they might have been using the flash as a light source to scare away oh, animals. That's terrifying. Yeah, and then other people think that neither of them took it; they, that someone abducted them and was just taking photos on their cameras. Hmm. Froon's parents requested that authorities refrain from releasing all the photos on the camera to the public, but. Apparently, some of the pictures depicted them in a rough state. So during the oh, really? Panama Panama based TV programs broadcast the news casters accidentally maybe quote unquote accidentally <gasps> leaked some photos and then it happened again on a dutch tv show the second show featured a photo focusing on the back of a person's head to s- it to be kremer's which showed an injury with blood in her hair oh no mm-hmm. then so this led to speculation that maybe she suffered an injury during the hike like she fell or something and frun started using the camera maybe for light or to document right, where she left happened. her to go yeah. get help or something. And if harm came to her, then maybe photos could have been used to help people figure out where she was like, okay, you stay there. I'll go get help. And she took pictures along the way or something like that. Um, So after they found the backpack, they started searching again, but in a different area along the, this, what they call it, the serpent river near the village of Alto Romero. And this was far from the trail that they had originally set out for, meaning that they either got lost or they changed their itinerary. And this time, the search turned up Kramer's clothing, which was neatly folded and arranged on the river's edge.
0: (gasps) Ew, that's weird.
1: The shorts appeared zipped and folded, placed above the waterline about a half mile upstream from where the local tribal woman allegedly found the backpack. Curiously, the garments showed up on the opposite side of the river from where the women took all their photos. Weird. So that's just weird. I'm like, why is it folded? How is it folded that long after? Two months after discovering her clothing, further searches finally turned up human remains. They found a shoe behind a tree along the river where the backpack had appeared, apparently. And it contained a sock, an intact human foot, and ankle bones with enough flesh for DNA testing. By the end of August that year, DNA tests linked the foot to Froon. And then investigators later found more bones and bits of skin numbering up to 33 skeletal fragments. Then they found bits of Kremer's skin in the jungle. Oh no So while the women were Evidently dead None of the evidence explained how The bodies right. were in pieces They said likely scattered by the river over time And no marks on the bones Indicated damage and some of the bones Appeared bleached I don't really know if that means like, like Bleached sun, from the sun or, right. yeah. The only other suggestion of injury Was remnants of bones from Frun's foot um, Though a broken foot Wouldn't have killed her so they thought maybe it looked like she had injury on her foot. Weird. Maybe yeah. she
0: got stung by a wasp.
1: <laughs> we know now that she had just had Tums. Did she have Tums? She would tums? have been fine. <laughs> she would have been totally fine. Um, so the, they were like just kind of grasping at straws. Like what happened to these women? Right. You know, the investigators talked to the innkeeper that they spoke to and you know when they were asking for directions on their way, and the innkeeper innkeeper said, "No, they were totally alone. There was no one with them." But then the police later learned from a Facebook post that the pair had met with some people before their trip that day, and in the post, Froon and Kremer said that they had shared brunch with two Dutchmen on the last day uh. that anyone saw them. But it doesn't really seem like the police and like followed Suspected that lead. Suspected anything
0: mm-hmm. <gasps> weird,
1: so almost a year after they had traveled to Panama initially in March, 2015 investigators basically suggested that their, their theory, which was that the women most likely suffered from some kind of an accident along the trail and then became lost in the forest. And then they, they had thought that frun had either fallen a great distance and died either in or near the river and that the foot would support that theory and that they said that the breaks in her ankle could only have occurred from a fall from a great height. Hmm. Um, the what photos about the taken
0: clothes right.
1: The photos taken showed the date when the women tried contacting emergency services, likely after she suffered her injury. But in the dark, they couldn't find their way back. Ugh. And then they then they guessed that Froon died trying to exit the forest, leaving Kremer's dead or dying. And then the remains decomposed, and because of the river and the rain and everything you know, it was just like scattered and there wasn't a lot left. Um, a lot of people though, think that the Panamanian authorities completely botched it. Mm. Um, they said the whole thing was a mess. There was no chain of custody established for the recovered evidence or remains. So like people were touching it, you know, they, you know, usually like if you have a like an evidence bag from a crime scene, then you like trace every person that touches that and everywhere it goes. They didn't have anything like that. Um, that there were 30 fingerprints found on the backpack that not only remained unidentified, but none of the indigenous people involved with the case had had their prints even recorded. What? Mm-hmm. Um, that they said that the condition of the electronics was not consistent with where it had turned up. So their phones and the camera didn't That's look weird. like it had been in the jungle for weeks and weeks, you know? Yeah. Like and, that'd
0: be pretty obvious looking at. mm mm-hmm, like.
1: like there was no damage to the stuff at all. And then that there was a deleted photo off the camera, oh. but police seem to ignore that. That's so there's suspicious. like, yeah. Also,
0: also the there's ways to recover that. Like they, there is software where you can go in and recover. Yeah. deleted photos. And It seemed
1: like they didn't seem like they were interested in doing that. And then they pointed out that, um, the, like the skulls and other major bones were never found and they wouldn't have broken down that quickly. So there's like, something weird. there. um, there's, like, a theory that the indigenous people killed them. There's another theory that they killed and ate them. But I don't know if that's just, like, oh. xenophobic, racist. Right. You know, like, right. I don't know if that deserves anything. But weird that they found their stuff, that the clothing was folded. Mm-hmm. You it's know, all very weird. Who knows? Um, other people said that the deaths were the work of cartels or organ traffickers, mm-hmm. which would explain why they didn't find the rest of their bodies. Right. You know, maybe they were kidnapped or like tried to be kidnapped and sold into something i don't know who knows um and then some people say that the police just basically wanted it to like be wrapped up with a bow like oh they fell and had an accident and we don't want to look into it any further because it would really hurt tourism the idea that it like would be dangerous murdered
0: and sold into Mm -hmm. slavery on the trail Mm -hmm.
1: Between t- 2009 and 2017, over 24 other tourists have gone missing in this area or turned up dead. Dang, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Wow. So some people said that maybe there's a serial killer there. Maybe that there's like still internet internet sleuths who are trying to figure Those it poor out. Poor girls. But it's hard because it seems like maybe the authorities there mishandled it. Wow. So you don't have a lot of like solid evidence to go that off of. That would be know. a huge surprise, right?
0: Okay, this next one's really weird
1: uh, this is called The Body on Summerton Beach. Have you heard of this? Yes,
0: oh, yeah. Is it on your list?
1: It was like one that I looked into and then I was like, no, this is too much to do in one night.
0: Oh, really? But, like, yeah, I have, like I found like a great little recap, like a
1: little uh-huh. yeah it's mm-hmm. so it's fascinating. It's this very is bizarre. so remember at the beginning when I was like, oh, there's one that I was like. Oh, I could totally do that. That's like what comes to mind. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's too much. That's the one. Oh,
0: should I wait? Should I save it? No, no, no. You can do an episode no, 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 no. on it. Are you sure? Or do,
1: like do like do it now and that'll be like a teaser. A different if one? We okay, like okay. do it long one day then.
0: Okay, we'll do it long. Do it we'll long. We'll do it long, long one day. <laughs>
1: we'll take our sweet time. <laughs>
0: Uh, So in December in 1948, a body was found on Somerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia. It was a man who was dressed in a suit with polished shoes and his head was slumped against a wall. And authorities thought the cause of death was probably heart failure or more likely poisoning. But when they did an autopsy, no trace of poison was found. There was no... So creepy. There's no wallet, no identification of any kind and all of the tags in his clothing were cut out the fingerprints that authorities took of him were also unidentifiable they even took a photo of the body and put it in newspapers and no one was able to identify who this dude was four months after the body was found detectives found a hidden pocket that was sewn on the inside of his trousers and inside the pocket was a rolled up piece of paper from a rare book called the Rubaiyat. probably butchered so. that mm. The piece of paper had the words to mom should on it, which means it has ended. So crazy. So creepy. (sighs) After months of looking for the exact book, authorities decided to bury the Somerton man without identification. Although they did take a cast of his bust and he was embalmed to preserve him eight months later a man walked into the police station and he claimed that just after the body was found he found a copy of the rubaiyat in the back of his car that he kept parked near somerton beach he thought nothing of it until he read about the search in the newspaper article and sure enough the book had a part of the final page that was torn and it matched the same piece of paper that was found in the man washed up on the beach's trousers so
1: crazy
0: Inside the book were a phone number and some sort of strange code that led authorities to a woman named Jessica Thompson who lived nearby. And when she was interviewed, she was evasive. She said she was going to faint when they showed the bust of the man, but then she also said that she had no idea who he was. Hmm. She did say that she had sold that same book or a book like it to a man named Alfred Boxell, but he was still very much alive and he had the copy of the Rubiat that Jessica had sold him. So it wasn't that man who was washed up on the beach. So crazy. The code that was found ended up being even more unhelpful. And as of today, it has yet to be cracked. And the man on Somerton Beach has yet to be identified.
1: So crazy. So I think it's the. I think it's the best unsolved mystery of all time, personally. I think it, I think it might be. It's my favorite. Because it's just like, there's so many weird things and none of it makes sense. What happened? Who is he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did he get there? I love it. I love it. I love the weird code that no one can crack. Mm-hmm. So bizarre. Yeah, you should <sighs> he was a just an artist. He was yeah. an artist,
0: and his last gift was a mystery. Yes, or so good. Was he the artist, or was there a? Or was the murderer was the artist? Boom. <sighs> I don't know. We'll, I if- mean, maybe we'll never know.
1: If I become a serial killer one day, <laughs> I, ho- I only hope to have the level of artistry displayed in that, this case. The little set, cutting didn't. of the of the little words out and putting it in a tiny little pocket and then just tossing the book and then mm-hmm. like a sinister code and oh and yep. then
0: just offing yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And I saying, will never. Oh no, I'll kill other people and like <laughs> it won't be me.
0: Talk about like a very dark message in a bottle. <laughs> like taking it very far <laughs> yes yeah i love it
1: uh, okay what you got this one is really weird oh and it's maybe kind of solved now but not really okay something sinister this is one of those ones that i read years ago and i was like oh that would be so good for the podcast and i was like oh. No, it's quite brief okay so on august 8th 2013 this guy named brandon lawson arrived at his home in San Angelo, Texas, where he lived with his girlfriend of 10 years, Ladessa Lofton. Between 1045 and 11, they got in a fight. He hadn't come home the night before and apparently he had ongoing substance use issues, but he had been clean for six months. So, uh, Lofton thought, oh, like you were using last night. That's why you didn't come home. You're out partying Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, His brother, Kyle Lawson, later claimed that he thought Brandon had taken meth right before he disappeared. So, There's probably drug use involved here. Around 1130, Brandon Lawson called his dad in Crowley, Texas, which is a three-hour drive away, and said, I'm coming to stay at your house, because I Mm -hmm. guess their fight was so bad that he was like, I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. So at 1154, he left his house to go to his dad's house, driving in his silver Ford F-150. Great choice of truck, if I may say so Mm -hmm. myself. At 1230 a.m. on August 9th, he called Kyle, his brother, and told him that he'd run out of gas. He was pulled over on... U.S. State Route 277 between San Angelo and Bronte, Texas. So Kyle claimed that during the call, Lawson told him that three expletives are chasing me out of town. Oh. I don't know if it's like three fuckers, three shits, something are chasing me out of town.
0: Three nasty words.
1: Yes. Or it could have been a racial slur because right. then later he clarified that it was the Mexicans in the neighborhood. Oh, I bet they were expletives mm-hmm. in the racial mm-hmm. way. So then Kyle asked, are, like, are you hallucinating? And he said, no, I'm not hallucinating. So Kyle, and this is this is also really weird to me. It's after midnight. Kyle and his his wife and their four year old child get in the truck to go help him. I'm oh. like, you could just leave your wife and kid at right. home. So Why? I find that kind of strange. It's not really like paid attention to, but whatever. So they drive to Lofton's house and they get a like a jerry can fill it up with fuel. And they continued making calls to each other, but Lawson wouldn't hold a conversation with him and like we'd usually just end the call after a few sentences. So I think that's why he's like, oh he's probably tripping. Yeah. At twelve fifty AM, Lawson called nine one one, which this is so insane to me. I guess they don't have a nine one one dispatch. It's too small a town. So oh, it boy. rang at a local nursing home in Robert what? Lee, Texas. Yeah. I don't know if that's just like I don't know. There's I don't know. the
0: unsolved mystery right there. <laughs> right.
1: Right. <laughs> So he told the responder that he'd run out of gas and that he needed the police. And during the call, he made several confused or incoherent statements, including, Yes, I'm in the middle of a field. Inaudible. Pulled some guys over. Right here, going toward Abilene. On both sides. Then he said, My truck's out of gas. There's one car here. The guy's chasing me. Inaudible. To the woods. Please hurry. So he's all frantic. He said people are chasing him. Several minutes later at 1256 a.m., a trucker called 911 to report Lawson's truck, which was parked in a hazardous manner on the road. Oh, so he, like, left his truck in the middle of the road or something. Between 12.50 a.m. and 1.15 a.m., Lawson received and made several calls with his brother, his girlfriend, his neighbor, and the 911 dispatcher. Those poor cell phone reception caused several of these calls to go straight to voicemail. And after one nineteen a.m., all calls to his phone went straight to voicemail. Oh, at God. around one eighteen, Kyle called Lawson, who sound at, sounded out of breath and claimed he was bleeding. Shortly after 1, a sheriff's deputy arrived at Lawson's truck, but he wasn't there. Kyle arrived at the truck the brother at 110 at the time he was on the phone with Lawson who said I can see you I'm right here but no one could see him (gasps) right like what the fuck
0: so he's like in a different dimension
1: like who the fuck knows so Kyle said I guess they had a he had an active um, arrest warrant so Kyle was like well maybe he's like hiding because the police officer is here even though he's the one who called 911 and he said he needed police Math. I don't know. Right. math. So after talking to the officer, Kyle drove a short distance up the road and parked the car to wait for his brother to appear because he thought like, I'll just go up the road. He's not going to come out because the cop right. is here. Maybe he just told me, um, you know, I see you. I'm right here. I see you. So after 30 to 45 minutes of waiting, sitting there with his wife and his four-year-old, he just finally left because his brother never showed. Right. So he left the gas can in the back of Lawson's truck and then later returned to the truck at 5 a.m. where he was surprised that Lawson hadn't returned. Oh, God. So at 8 a.m. they had the truck towed. And until very, very recently, that was it. They never (gasps) heard from him. They never saw him. What happened recently? So it's funny because I like went to search this story because I wanted to share it. And then on um, February 4th of this year, so just quite recently, his family reported on the Help Find Brandon Lawson Facebook page that a search party had located clothing identified as Lawson's near his last known location. The Texas Rangers had subsequently conducted a search of the area and found human remains. DNA results are not complete as of February 4th, but the remains are expected to belong to him
0: wow so i wonder what happened Was so he it's meth like and he just fucking lost maybe he mind? was on
1: meth and he was just tripping and like ran into the woods but it's just like it's so haunting to me that he's like i'm right here i see you and no yeah, one can see him haunting. that's super creepy and that he said people were chasing him and then like i don't know you'd come down off meth the Next day, right. or however long right. it takes to come down off meth. The part I personally about never I tried. can
0: see you, but you can't see me is the really, really weird part.
1: Yeah, you're like, Are you in the upside down? Right,
0: <laughs> is the demogorgon like, in your yard? Yes, just like because it's in my backyard,
1: apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, stay inside, yeah, yeah, just wow. like so weird. That's super even if weird. he was tripping on meth, why did he think people were chasing him? Like, they it's not like they were. I don't know. Like, where could he have gone? They were right, right. there. He was right there. Is he, like, there. hiding
0: under the truck? Like, what is he? What?
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: Super weird. Yep. Um, okay. Have you heard about the boy in the box? No. What's that? Oh, this one's really sad. Oh, no. Um, so this is from an article called, "All" or from an in, from a website called allthat'sinteresting.com. And I find this very interesting.
1: <laughs> I have seen so, that website before.
0: Yes. This article is by Katie Serena. So this is the story of America's unknown child, which is what the headstone of this little baby boy's, oh no, resting place reads. So, in February 1957, a guy was hunting muskrats and he went out to check his traps north of Philadelphia, and as he was moving through the brush, he found yeah. a small cardboard box that was just laying discarded on the ground. Oh no! And inside, he found the naked body of a boy wrapped in a plaid blanket and then this douchebag yeah dead this douchebag was worried that police would confiscate his traps and so he didn't tell anybody (gasps) ignored it and just kept on hunting
1: oh my god
0: I know Several days later, a college student was driving down the road, and this seems a little hard to believe to me, but he says that he noticed a bunny running alongside the highway and he knew there were traps in the area, so he stopped to make sure the animal was safe. Like That's weird. Where are you going to put it? <laughs> like You're if there's traps all over, like yeah, and it's it's hard to catch a wild bunny. I don't know if you, like they, they're pretty yeah. fast. They hop, actually. And then as he's sifting through the underbrush searching for traps, which again, like they could be anywhere. He comes across this box, hmm. and he was worried about interacting with police, but he actually reported it, thankfully. Hmm. And police discover that there's this young boy between three and seven years old, and they hoped he'd quickly be identified because someone must be missing him, but their hopes were dashed. Uh, Wait, how old did you say he was? Between three and seven years old. <gasps> Isn't that heartbreaking? Oh, yeah. The boy was very malnourished. He was scrawny and dirty. His hair was matted. It seemed to have been recently cut as clumps of it still hung to his body. His body was also covered with surgical scars, most notably on his ankle, groin, and chin. And they fingerprinted him, hoping to find a match, but there wasn't one.
1: What? And if he had, had surgical scars, you would think that there would be a record of him in a hospital right? system. Right.
0: They put out over 400,000 flyers throughout the Philadelphia area as well as other towns in in Pennsylvania, and they did a forensic facial reconstruction and showed like a happy smiling version of him. It's a really, it's a really poorly done reconstruction. I think mm. it's creepy looking. I don't like mm-hmm. it. Uh, they, but they put these flyers in police stations, post offices, and even included in the envelopes with gas bills, whatever those are. Wow. Um, but no one came forward. The crime scene was searched several times but apart from items of the kid's clothing there were no leads and his identity still remains a mystery. Wow. Of course there are some theories. Mm -hmm. In 1960 an employee of the medical examiner's office was told by a psychic that the boy in the box had come from a local foster home. The Mm -hmm. police inquired about the boy and found blankets similar to one that he'd been wrapped in hanging on a clothesline as well as a bassinet that was sold in the same box that the boy had been found in. Mm. But The employee theorized that the boy had been born to the daughter of the man who ran the foster home and that his death had been accidental, but there was no connection that was ever made between the boy in the box and the foster home other than those blankets. Another theory... Um, A woman who only is referred to as M came forward and she claimed that the boy had been purchased by her abusive mother and abused for several years in the home. She claimed that the boy vomited up a dinner of baked beans and then the mother bashed his head against the wall as punishment and while bathing him after that punishment, he died. They did follow this lead because they found baked beans in the stomach of this boy um, and his fingers appeared to be water wrinkled, but... Both of those pieces of information were not shared with the public and Mm -hmm. they were encouraged by M's description of the boy as the child fit, what she said this boy looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, She said that his hair had recently been chopped and there was also old testimony from a man who claimed to have seen the boy being placed in the box near the woods. But unfortunately, police eventually led the theory slide because they found that M had a history of mental illness. And when they tried to corroborate the claims with neighbors and friends, they said they'd never seen a boy or a child in the home and that mm. it was just ridiculous. There have been other theories that have come forward, you know, smaller ones, but unfortunately it's never been solved
1: and nobody knows wow. the identity of America's unknown child. Wow. I wonder if they could exhume his remains and do any kind of DNA testing now that it's like yeah, come so far with Ancestry.com and stuff. I don't know if you can see this. Oh God! Wait, that's not that horrible. Yeah, is that that's him? That's not the reconstruction. No, that's him. How sad! This is the reconstruction. Sweet baby boy. Here's the here's the box.
0: Wow! Isn't that disgusting? Yeah.
1: What the fuck? Here's this so creepy
0: gross. ass reconstruction. Mm. Yeah, extremely horrible and sad. Crazy. And Crazy. another one that I was like, how have I never heard of that? Like,
1: yeah wild how i mean
0: i don't know do you, i don't know that you could get away with something like that today because think so. of how far
1: we've come with yeah. technology and yeah it's That's but there then are you also serial killers anymore i mean there right. are they they kill sex homeless people. yeah yeah but homeless then you people think about, people on like native people on reservations and stuff right like that.
0: do you remember um that story a few years ago of that family who had like a ton of kids and they kept them like chained to their beds. Yes. Yeah. Something looked, like to that. They went renew their
1: vows at Disneyland.
0: Yes. It's disgusting. Weird ass um, but I just think about that sometimes that like that shit's going on right now. We just don't yeah. know about it. Yeah. There are kids yeah. in houses being completely mistreated and we have no idea. Or people are mm-hmm. locked in cellars. and Like Ariel
1: Castro and the, uh, all the women that he abducted. Yeah. Yeah. It's just horrible. I think it's less now than it was. Even just the fact that like counties talk to other counties, yes, now. is helpful. Thirty right. years ago, they didn't. I guess no. thirty years ago, they did. We're old. Fifty years ago, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. 30 like thirty, 30 like years ago in the sixties, they didn't. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> thirty years ago was the nineties. When I oh, hear God. about a
0: movie that came out in like two thousand five, I'm like, oh, it's not that old. And I'm like, oh, I'm like oh, last year. Wait. Actually,
1: it is. Mm-hmm. It's pretty old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to look for one that's not a downer. In the summer of nineteen forty two, people of a small town outside of San Francisco saw something strange in the skies. A sagging, broken looking blimp was falling out of the sky. (laughs) It was me skydiving (laughs) (laughs) What's that? (laughs) That's That's Haley's fat ass. people die in this so right. So i shouldn't <laughs> well i shouldn't make a joke we don't know or or maybe do they, they do or do they this or is they? Oh, this is another aerial abdu- aerial abduction that could have gone in my <gasps> is that my, right is that my first episode no 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 the lamp was lamp this is yep, my second mm-hmm. i can't believe i still remember that i don't even <laughs> know my own i don't know, like what the fucking day is it what is what this podcast <laughs> easy bake hosers oh yeah <laughs> okay so a sagging broken looking blimp was falling out of the sky on its way down the blimp stopped on a rooftop then ran into a group of power lines the blimp's weight was enough to take down the power lines causing a huge amount of damage to the surrounding area nearby citizens rushed to assist the crew of the blimp only to discover there was none (gasps) everything within the blimp's cab looked normal with radio and engine functioning perfectly perhaps even more oddly none of the parachutes or lifeboats were missing what? Wait, why are there lifeboats in a blimp? Do they in case it crashes the in the water,
0: maybe? Maybe just like in case. But also, Wild. how big is the inside of a blimp?
1: No idea. My dad has ridden in the Goodyear blimp before. What? Isn't that cool? I think that's twice. That's badass. Back in the day when Ford had money, they used to get to do exciting things. Oh, it was for Ford. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Now they're like, here's some Subway sandwich right? coupons for two of your employees. Here's a, a different kind of blimp. <laughs> We've downgraded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so none of the parachutes or lifeboats were missing. So where did the crew go? When the blimp had left a naval station that morning, it had been crewed by two men, Lieutenant Ernest Cody and Ensign Charles Adams. The men were never seen again, although the blimp was... Blimp was repaired and used for another forty years. They're
0: like, fuck you guys. Sorry you disappeared, I, I, but
1: <laughs> I don't think I'd want to find no. that. I'd be like, this is a ghost no. blimp,
0: right? There like, how? Huntings. Where did they go? Were they
1: abducted by UFO whilst right. flying the blimp? This blimp is obviously not UFO proof. Both jump out and kill themselves, right? And why? That seems unlikely. And wouldn't they have found did their bodies? They, did they hop out somewhere and start a new life as lovers? because in the 40s it was frowned upon and they lived happily ever after like as lumberjack men they lowered down oh got near some trees just hopped out onto the trees or like a lake like yes somewhere that they could land safely yeah and then they just let the blimp go
0: and, and the lake had a dock on it with a place to build a sweet little cottage. And they <gasps> built it and lived forever happily together.
1: Yeah, they just held hands on their little mm-hmm. bench outside until they died of natural it was causes one minute apart from each other. The sequel hands. to Brokeback Mountain, the Brokeback Blimp.
0: <laughs> i'm choosing to believe that story <laughs> i like that good
1: happy ending love it um In okay. more ways than one <laughs> <In Hey-o. laughs> i feel like i'm 15 again so have to i cut always that feel that way on this podcast yeah, <laughs> that's true
0: <laughs> so this is about the lady of the dunes have you heard of that <gasps>
1: no oh yes i have yes like I years hadn't. ago yeah i but like vaguely remember it I so spend a lot of time in wikipedia rabbit holes you know so.
0: i know specifically looking at movie synopses oh yeah <laughs>
1: it's my, oh you're saying that i do that i was like yeah, Wait, you, you do that, that too. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is my anxiety no i don't want to watch, I a watch movie unless movies. i know what happens <laughs> no Nope. Um, i don't want watch- to waste my time watching it if it's not good so right then i want to read True, the synopsis and then once i've read the plot i'm like i don't need to I watch it i already that. know what right. happens
0: we've <laughs> been watching well i've been re-watching the sopranos it's ben's first time oh yeah and but there's still a lot of things i've forgotten and we're getting into uh-huh. like the dark part of the show like isn't the four. whole
1: thing really dark well,
0: it's dark in like a comical way. Like I laugh almost yeah, every episode. Yeah. It's really well. Okay. It's an amazing show. Yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. definitely getting to like the downward spiral spiral uh-huh. of all these guys uh-huh. and I had to look some things up because I was like, I've already seen it. It's not cheating if since I've already uh-huh. seen it. Uh-huh. <laughs> My anxiety is going like this. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I need to bring mm-hmm. it down. So mm-hmm. Okay, so this woman was found on July 26, 1974, lying face down on a beach towel in the dunes near Provincetown, Massachusetts. Her hands were missing, and small piles of pine needles were left in their place.
1: So creepy. Isn't that
0: creepy? Her head had been crushed and nearly severed from her body, and they think that might have been from some sort of military entrenching tool. What? Police suggested she could have died weeks before her discovery, and with no way to really identify who this woman was, they dubbed her the Lady of the Dunes. They don't know who she was, why she was slain so brutally, who ended her life, All that remains unsolved. But of course, they did do extensive searching of the surrounding areas. They combed Mm -hmm. through missing persons files, compared tracks found near the scene of countless vehicles, but they could never explain her murder. She was anywhere between 20 and 49 years of age. She'd had expensive dental work done, including crowns that police called the New York style which I don't know what that means i thought crowns were universal it means you get botox at the same time <laughs> i guess uh, they <laughs> talked with dentists who didn't have you couldn't give any insight but some of her teeth were removed and like i said her hands were taken as well and That's one of so her weird. forearms was gone Ugh. her nearly severed and crushed head was cushioned on a pair of carefully folded wrangler jeans and a blue
1: bandana so Weird. Was it her jeans and bandana? It doesn't say. Who knows?
0: Um, she was buried in 1974, but she's been exhumed since. They've done r- facial reconstruction. They've done DNA testing. And in 2010, her skull was put through a CT scanner to try to get better facial
1: reconstruction mm,
0: done. Crazy. In 2004, serial killer Haddon Clark confessed that he's the one who killed her. Oh, fuck that and guy. And said that he had the evidence needed to... Prove that. To prove it. But he was a paranoid schizophrenic and they didn't yeah. believe that he actually had mm-hmm. any claim to the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the one where
1: someone thought that they saw her in Jaws? Yes, that was the next part. So, <laughs> yeah, they. It was a famous person, right? Yeah. So in it? August of 2015,
0: Joe Hill, who is the son of Stephen King. Yes, I um, thought said that he had a new theory he was watching jaws and noticed that in the crowd on the far left side of the screen was a female dressed in jeans a white t-shirt and a blue bandana and said that she bore a striking similarity to the images of the lady of the dunes so crazy he said what if the young murder victim no one has ever been able to identify has been seen by hundreds of millions of people in a beloved summer classic and they didn't even know they were looking at her because it was, was
1: filmed not that far from yeah, there, right? It was
0: filmed near Martha's oh, keep, keep Vineyard. Keep, keep. No. Mm-hmm. I'm like,
1: <laughs> not. Nah. Let me just say what you're about to say right before you say it. Like, this is my turn, Haley, idiot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was filmed near Martha's Vineyard, not far from Provincetown, in June of 1974, before she met her end. So, so crazy. it was a big deal in the area. It drew uh-huh. a lot of attention. So it's very possible that she was an extra, wanted to mm-hmm. be in it. And so it's just all very strange. Here's the picture. Oh, so of that's her. never
1: been disproven? No crazy we don't know
0: so weird what if she got killed by the fake shark sorry that's sensitive
1: <laughs> it was heavy so that would explain something i mean i'm scared what every that time i entrenching tool like what does that even mean when
0: i first i read about it in one article where it made me think like well no that can't be when like I first... a fence
1: post digger that's what i'm picturing
0: well i pictured that it was like she was buried and they were digging her up but she wasn't buried she was laying face down in a t- mm-hmm. in a towel and so um but they used something really
1: big to crush her head why Too. and why, why take, her, take hands her hands and put pine form. needles in place and some of her
0: teeth well, it's, it's very so weird
1: creepy
0: and it's weird that the, it's not like a serial killer who has like an MO right and who like mm-hmm. keeps doing it again and again like it's just this weird like one off yeah So, R.I.P. Lady of the Dunes. And if that was, in fact, her... That's another weird thing. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't her and this theory came out, wouldn't the woman who it was come forward and be like, no, man, that's me. That was me. me." So maybe it was her. And if that is her, wouldn't someone of her family been like, oh, yeah, that was Linda or whatever, you
1: know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you would think that someone would hear that theory.
0: It's very weird. So... Spooky things. The world is full of spooky, spooky unsolvable spooky.
1: things. hmm Okay. Send
0: us off on a good note,
1: Haley. Last one. <clears throat> the Devil in Dover. That's great alliteration. Snow fell on the night of February 8th, 1855 in County of Dover in England. When residents awoke the next morning, they discovered sets of hoof-like footprints surrounding their homes. The marks were about four inches long and three inches across and covered somewhere between 40 and 100 miles of tracks. Oh, shit. Holy shit. <laughs> what? That's really long. <laughs> it's, also, there's a sounds, really big discrepancy but between 40 and like 100. Krampus. <laughs> it really does. February 8th, you're a little late, bucko. Yeah. Your season has passed. (laughs) The hoof marks were all in a single line, which a four-legged creature could not produce. Terrified Mm. citizens believed that the devil had come to Dover. Oh, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Some locals had the footprints leading straight to their front door, leaving them especially spooked. There have been many theories about what caused these prints, but none of them have ever been confirmed. (gasps) That's actually scary. That scares me well
0: do you remember there was a story from florida years and years ago i think it was clearwater beach i'm pretty sure it's florida where there was like monster footprints on the beach and it was determined that it was some guy who had like created these shoes who like to freak oh, the town fucker. Out. So yeah it could be the same thing it could be but maybe it's the devil
1: um so. yeah like i'm the devil and i are chill so that doesn't worry <laughs> me but some kind of like evil creature
0: but okay, like the devil and you are chill, but then imagine that the devil is Black Phillip in the witch Hard and then no. it's not chill anymore.
1: Hard <laughs> no. Every time I'm like, I want to get goats so bad. <laughs> i like, I've fucking seen the witch. It's not happening. I Hayley. see how this
0: ends, Haley, and it's not.
1: Good it's not, I'm not going to get <laughs> Stabbed in the Fucking heart By Black Phillip mm,
0: The only thing You want similar In life To the witch Is the dancing Around the fire At the end Because we've decided yep. That will be a good way, way to go You know Love it Well This was another Great successful uh, Spooky hour
1: Pretty spooky always. hour Very
0: spooky Very spooky Very weird um, mm-hmm. Check out our website com For pictures And our Instagram Mm-hmm um easy bake oven podcast
1: we're taking next week off right oh
0: yeah that's the big news um we're so this is our 25th episode oh my god and we have a lot of shit going on next week and so it feels like you know what we're allowed to give ourselves a week off it's our first one
1: that's pretty amazing
0: i'm pretty proud of us Mm -hmm. pretty proud so we will be back next next week with more spooky mm-hmm. things and please return or don't you know
1: <laughs> stick around stick
0: around there's great things be, to come
1: it's gonna be creepy
0: that means we've been doing this for six months Haley
1: <gasps> <laughs> they said we wouldn't last when I say the I mean my husband right.
0: but he doesn't listen to this podcast
1: <laughs> no but I just am like look I've done yeah. this every week
0: six months Matt six months and we're still here. And we will come back. We will return. <laughs> Don't you worry.
1: <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm not just, worried.
0: Just listen to all... Catch up if you're behind, you know? I already know what we're
1: going to cover for the next one. <gasps> oh, that's very exciting. And it's so good.
0: Yes! I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be mm-hmm. great.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Bit. Well, drive safely. <gasps> I will. Maybe you'll see. Maybe you'll see creepy shit out on the road. That was like oh. a whole genre of... Of Reddit is like, well. That's tru- another spooky. Hour. Yeah, like Road trucker stories. things people have seen in the middle of night and stuff like that. No, thank you. Maybe you'll come back no. with like this creepy skinwalker story or like a UFO story.
0: Maybe I, I can only be
1: so lucky. You know? mm. cross my fingers for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, friends, don't forget to keep it spooky and make it sweet. Happy, Happy haunting. haunting! Ha, <laughs> <laughs>